Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dickow hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome back to the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, for SB Live Sports. Conversations with coaches, players, former players. Today's is a great one. Someone I'm looking forward to hearing a little bit more about his Portland roots, how the OSAA messed with his high school experience when he was trying to win a state Mm -hmm. title for the Jefferson Democrats. In his 10th year in the NBA, it's hard to believe it's been that long after a stellar two years at the University of Washington, Terrence Ross. Terrence, you're with the Orlando Magic now in Mm -hmm. year 10. Give us a little bit about 10 years in the NBA, how fast it goes by. Yeah. um, Man, thanks for having me. But uh, it's crazy. It's uh, it's it's flown by. It's weird. Like I don't even realize it. It just feels like almost like a dream. Like and it's so funny because like after I think like year three, four, like some of these seasons start to like mesh together. So it's like kind of hard to like differentiate, you know, the years a little bit. But um. Man, it's uh, it's been a journey. I've had a lot of fun. Uh, been blessed to play with a lot of you know great talented guys and play against some of the greatest that's ever played. So uh, it's been fun, man. I'm I'm trying to take it day by day, but man, it's just flying by. It's hard to believe it's been ten years because I remember the first time our paths crossed. I was probably about your age. You were a high school mm-hmm. kid in the Portland area. I was still staying in shape, waiting to see if a contract would come up, whether in the NBA or overseas. And we had some great runs and workouts yeah. at Jefferson over in North Portland. Mm-hmm. You take you go from those days as a as a young kid working out with pros to now being kind of that mentor to young kids. How important is that for you to give back? I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's kind of like full circle for me, um, you know, because I've played with a lot of guys who, you know, are older, especially from a young age. Um, I played with everybody from, you know, you, K-Love, uh, Clay Thompson, uh, just all these random different pros that are in the league now. But, you know, looking up to them and just seeing the guys that came before me and just kind of see how they mentored us and, you know, gave us advice. Um, it's just crazy to see how far I've come. And uh, it's crazy. I'm like even playing with, you know, a former uh, Gazaga player, uh, Jalen Suggs, and just seeing how young he is and just seeing, like, we have a ton of young guys. Like, Greg Anthony's son plays on our team. So, to me, it's just so weird to, to kind of look to see how far I've come and, like, how much it's has changed since I've been playing. So, uh, it's cool, man, just kind of seeing some of the young guys, kind of seeing, like, what I was going through my first few years in the league and kind of seeing it again with, like, some of these younger guys. So, I mean, it's more of a, you know, when they – when they ask questions, we kind of just kind of story tell and give our, you know, experiences yeah. and kind of tell your horror stories and you tell your good stories. And I think that's stuff like that is kind of, 
you know, what the guys now learn from. Um, and it's just funny. I mean, it's so much that it's like I, I didn't realize how, how good of vets I had until, you know, I'm pretty much in year five, six, and I start to notice, you know, all the things that they were saying is kind of playing a day-to-day in my life. So um, it's just fun, man. I mean, it's just a, it's a full circle thing for me. So you're obviously still uh, playing at the peak, but you are in a mentorship <laughs> role because you've been in the league now for 10 years. You've got young players. Uh, Jalen Suggs, you mentioned, I'll ask him about, about him in a minute because of the GU connection with me, but um you're looked at as a guy probably who has stories, who can mentor, who has advice. Who was that player early in your career that guy guided you? Um, for me, it was definitely Kyle Lowry and DeMar, DeMar DeRozan. Um, I mean, especially when I got drafted, I spent a lot of time in L.A., like the off seasons to work out and whatnot. And since, you know, DeMar lived out there, I was – he would always tell me to come work out with him. And uh, I kind of was always with him when I was in LA. I was kind of working out wherever he was at. And it was it was fun, man, just seeing how he works and just kind of getting like that up close personal, you know, just example of how what it is to, to work and what it is to like get better every year. Um, and Kyle too, man, Kyle's really, like for me, I'm a big basketball fan. I grew up loving basketball, so like I know when I ended up getting drafted, Kyle had just signed to Toronto and he's a really smart guy. He's really knowledgeable and like the history of the game and he's really smart. His IQ is amazing. So I would always have conversations with him about players, teams, coaches. Uh, he helped, he helped me a lot when it comes to like me understanding and getting caught up to speed and like the, the pro game and understanding the coverages, understanding names, plays, uh, how just all the little things that you need to be, you know, a solid pro. Like, I, I kind of learned a lot of that from Kyle. And, um, you know, I kind of really credit them for me being here right now. You know, it's one of those things where I've always looked at certain players and some guys make it because they've got a great skill mm-hmm. set. Some guys make it because they found their niche in the league through mentorship. Um, it sounds like you've got a mix of guys. You obviously were way talent, more talented than I was. But you had a mix of your own skills, but then guys that pushed you and taught you what it meant to be a pro. Is there a couple guys that, and you don't have to name names because there's guys that I remember that you just look at, they had all the talent in the world, but they didn't have that mentorship from somebody to really show them the ropes of what could could be if they took that to advice to heart and they could create a three-year career and build it into what you've got now, a 10-year career. No, for sure. I mean, that's it's <clears throat> I mean, it's that's the gamble about the NBA, too. Like, I think a lot of young guys don't understand is, you know, coming from college and coming from high school and going to college and trying to go to the league. It's such a different structure. Like in college, everybody's like there to help you and everybody's there to remind you. Everybody's there to push you yeah. to make sure you're on time to do stuff and you get in trouble for, you know, every time that you're late or whatever. But in the NBA, man, you have a, a ton more freedom and there's not really as many people there to kind of like drag you to where you need to be on time or whatever it is but it's just that's the gamble man I think a lot of kids don't see that because once you get to a team it's you're really at the mercy of whoever's there before you and it's just whoever's there now and what type of person they are like luckily I got drafted to a team with guys who are trying to get better guys that did nothing but work 
And I kind of just, you know, emulated that and did just did what they were doing. And then there's there's other teams, there's other players where they don't have that. And it's just more of a guys who are already established and they can do whatever they want. And then some people can get caught up in, you know, that. And then some people can get also just get caught up in just not understanding or just not knowing what to do because they have nobody there helping them or just giving them advice. So I just I had a really good group of guys and it just it played out, it played out well. Yeah, I had uh, I had a group in in Atlanta my rookie year um, that we had a lot of talented players, but unfortunately we had guys with different agendas, and it wasn't in, in a, a culture like a San Antonio uh, where it, or a Miami Heat where it was like, nope, here we go, Rook, this is what we got. It was kind of every man for themselves, and luckily I was I was mature enough and I knew. I was limited on some things and I had to take advantage of every opportunity. So I was able to learn it uh, soon enough to extend my career to a certain point. Um, but then when I look back, I also see there's eye-opening moments in the NBA. Mm. My eye-opening moment would have been early on. I was out with a knee injury and I walk out pregame and we were playing the Washington Wizards. Michael Jordan was just about to walk onto the floor. I'd never seen Mike up close like that before. That was my eye-opening moment. I didn't get to play in that game. I played against him twice later in the season. Um, What would your eye-opening moment be? Welcome to the league. So I I grew up in – I was born in Southern California, and um, I moved to Portland. I moved to Vancouver, really, um, I think – when I was about 11 or 12, so right around like seventh, eighth grade, ended up going to school in Portland uh, my freshman year. So hold but, up, hold up. I didn't know you were a Vancouver guy. That's, that's yeah, yeah, okay, because no, I was no, born yeah. in Portland. I moved to Vancouver when I was like eight. So, yeah, uh, so all right. I was, born in, I was born in LA, then moved to, then moved all over, but then I ended up moving to, to Salmon Creek, uh, Vancouver. I went to Alki Middle School, but um, yeah, I went to going to high school in Portland. But I grew up an LA Laker fan. I was there for all the championships. Like, so I'm a big time Kobe guy. Um, we're in LA. This is my rookie year. Uh, we're in LA. We're playing Lakers. And Kyle asked me to be a team captain. So I go up there and then I'm waiting at the jump ball circle for somebody to walk up. And I just see Kobe at the, the other end of the bench, like sitting down. He gets up and just makes. And I'm, I, I look at him as soon as he stands up. He walks all the way to the jump ball circle. And I'm just like, I'm like starstruck at this point. Uh, and, then, and then he hits me with like, because I'm a rookie at this point. Nobody really knows who I am. And I was like, everybody thought I kind of was like, I got drafted high. So like nobody really knew who I was, especially not in LA. But you know how, you know, Kobe has these crazy intense scouts and stuff. Yeah. He calls me by my nickname and that completely just like, he was like, what up, T. Ross? And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I was like, he just, I was like, oh. And so I just froze and I don't remember, any, I don't even think I said anything back. I was just like starstruck. And after that, he, he ended up having one of these crazy fourth quarter, you know, mama mentality type, just killer instinct. He's up coming, bring the team back up to win. I didn't get to play that entire game, but I got to sit court side essentially. Yeah. Like I'm sitting right there. So I got to watch everything. So I'm like pretty much cheering because this is my childhood team and my favorite player going crazy. It's like my first time coming to a Laker game. So I think that was my eye-opening moment. That's sure. awesome. Yeah, I've got a great story <clears throat> that you probably liked because you talk about his scouts. And he would have, mm-hmm. you know, the Lakers, the coaching staff put together a scout. And then he had his own guys 
put together a, a player specific scout of the most details you could imagine. My third year in the league, it's 0405. I'm finally playing a lot of minutes with New Orleans and I make a turnover. We're, we're running Princeton offense. Chin said, I, I, I throw the ball. Kobe steals it. He goes down. I foul him. I think it was what in transition. So he doesn't get an and one. He walks over right over to me right after during the next dead ball. And he goes, come on, Dan, you're better than that. And I look at Kobe. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, Dan, I'm dead serious. You're better than that. You called chin, whatever. You need to look me off there before you throw the ball here. If you don't look me off, I'm going to get it every time in a passing lane. I just look at Kobe. I shake my head. He's like, you're right. You're right. No, you can say that's how he was, man. Like he he did not like this is more than a game to him. Like this was more than a game to him. And he took it to another level that a lot of guys just will never get to experience. But it was he he was different. He was different. Yeah. No, he was uh he's one of the greatest of all time. And and obviously mm-hmm. everything that's happened over the last couple of years has been yeah. uh very sad for the basketball community. Um, but to be able to relive some of those memories, mm-hmm. I'm sure brings guys like your yourself joy. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Portland basketball scene. You said you grew up in LA, then you were around the Portland, Vancouver area. You spent some time at Jefferson High School, both playing, but then also working out with different guys that have come through. Mm-hmm. Give me your all-time top five from the Portland area, because Seattle's gotten the shine over the last 15 years or so, and rightfully so, yeah. but there's some really good players out of the Portland area. No, for sure. Um, I would definitely say Kevin Love. He's probably at the top of that list. Um, hmm. K-Love. I'm going to say Mike James. Mike James, he's one of my personal favorite. He is – He's a killer. Saw him in the summer pro-am this summer when I was down visiting family. Man, he he's he is like the king in Europe right now. Like he's killing it overseas. I love watching him. Um, I'm gonna say myself, Terrell Brandon, and Dame and Dame Stoudemire. Okay, that's yeah. a pretty good one. I I I would have. Uh, I would have Terrell, Damon, Kevin Love for sure. Uh, Mike James, I don't know quite enough about. I know he's had a tremendous career in Europe. He's had a little bit of time here. Uh, you definitely are on that list because of, you know, 10-plus-year career. Um, the other one would be, and this is kind of recent memory, would be Freddie. I mean, Freddie yeah, carved out about an eight-year yeah. career. The cool thing about Freddie, and if you have the same kind of uh, – ability mm-hmm. uh to be able to kind of rest on this dunk chair yeah. you yeah, won the dunk sure. contest freddie won the dunk <clears> contest. <throat> mm-hmm. how do you prep for the dunk contest because obviously it's a lot of natural ability you got to be able to yeah. also be creative do you go yeah. into a dunk contest with a set like i'm doing these two dunks and then you know man i had a protest to get into just to get into the dunk contest. That was what i wanted to do from like the start of the year like that's always been my my favorite you know, all-star event. And then so I was just like, I got to find a way to get a part of it. And then I think even in like my um, rookie transition program, like the little little thing we had to do for like a week or whatever, I got voted to win a dunk contest out of all the rookies that like voted there. So I was just like, all right. So I definitely feel like I can do it now. So I actually had to get my agent to ask D-Wade because he was the 
he was the captain of the of the like the All Star Weekend team or whatever. And he he, he told, we played him that night when he asked him. And so I guess I had like a breakaway still. I think I like might have stole it from LeBron. I'm on the break with D Wade. It's just me and him, and I go up for a dunk. And then after the game, my agent called me and was like, yeah, D-Way said that you could be a part of the dunk contest, whatever. <laughs> and so I had to protest the whole year. And then on top of that, I had DeMar and Rudy Gay both help me, like, after a bunch of practices on, like, dunks I should do. I think the one I put in Carter jersey on and did the, the windmill, that was DeMar's idea. He told me, that was, like, one of the first things he told me, bro, I think you do this dunk because I was going to try it, but I just never got around to it, but. He gave me that dunk, which was like pretty much the one that won it for me. And then I also had a, uh, no, the second year I had a dunk coach. I had a dunk coach. So it really? was super dope. Yeah, it was like his uh, Team Flight Brothers. I, I don't know if you ever seen They're usually on YouTube. It's uh-huh. like it's it, it's like Team team Flight Bros. And they're just known for like posting dunks of you know, NBA, all types of stuff. And a dude actually came over and he gave me a whole bunch of like, he, he studied the way I dunked. And then, like, gave me a whole bunch of dunks that he thought I would be able to do. So it could really? help me out the second year for sure. Because I'm like, it's it's hard, man. Like, dunk contest, everybody's done the same thing. Like, you just got to find a way to kind of put your twist on it. So, yeah, you know, he studied how I jump. I'm a one-foot jumper. And uh, he kind of, you know, made some dunks for me. You know, that really catered to my wheelhouse, I guess. I had no idea, guys. It was a, In the dunk contest, we're getting outside coaching and uh, no, insight on what would win it for him. That's, I think, the last, probably since me, since 2012, or 2013 dunk contest, and since then, there's every single, like, participant has reached out to this guy. Really? Yeah. The, the, That's the, unbelievable. Yeah, I would have never, I would have never even, that would have never even crossed my mind. That's crazy. Zach, yeah, like the Zach Levine versus Aaron Gordon thing, a lot of that was kind of like, not scripted, but like, kind of helped and improvised by this dude yeah. weeks leading up to the dunk contest. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. You know, for, for somebody who follows college basketball very closely, I call games now. I saw you play in college the one year I was with the Blazers um, and working a number of different capacities. I scouted your games at UW. I was tasked with uh, really focusing on you and Tony Roten for a number of different games. And I remember writing in my reports that I thought you were going to have a tremendous career and I, for a number of different reasons, great footwork, the shooting uh, ability, I think was going to expand when you got to caught to the NBA. Yeah. I thought your defense and your anticipation was, was going to translate. Did you think you were going to be a two year in college guy in the, I believe it was the eighth pick in the draft or, or what was the biggest surprise for you getting to the <clears throat> Well, I mean, honestly, <clears throat> my main focus was just trying to get to college. I was just like, man, like I'm just trying to go to school. And my initial plan, like I didn't have any idea about the NBA, but like my initial plan was to go to college for four years. Um, and then after that, just kind of see, you know, what's around, like maybe go try overseas. And then if I get a shot NBA down the line, then that's where I go. But I, the one thing that's always been like constant for me is just like trying to put the work in and trying to get better. So I never really worried about, you know, making it to the league. I never worried about, you know, stuff I couldn't really handle. So I just, I just try to get better as best I could. And um, I made a really, really big leap from my freshman year to sophomore year. And um, 
after that, I mean, after that season, I just kind of had to reevaluate everything. How was that process work for you or how did it work for you? Because um, you were kind of in that era where UW had just had a lot of pros. You're talking mm-hmm. Isaiah Thomas, Brandon Roy, mm-hmm. um, yourself and Tony Roten were, were at the same time. Um, was it a thing where it was you talked to your co- your family or did you lean on Coach Romar uh, kind of guiding you through the situation? Well, when I found out, I kind of really knew I had a like actual chance of like really going to the league was – I think it was after my freshman year, we had played, we were in the tournament, we lost to Carolina. I had just had a really good game. And but I also had just had a really good conference tournament. And I got like, um, I think like first all conference team in the tournament, whatever. And then going into the tournament itself, I played really well. And then after that, I got invited to a, uh, to I think a Kevin Durant camp. And I mean, I've never, even in high school, I've never been to any of like the top 100 camps. I never went to any of them. So this is like my first time going to like a camp with like, you know, other highly touted other players that were kind of my, my skill set. And it was all like wings and guards. And we were there to like help with like the high school kids, mm-hmm. but, you know, after they left, then it was like the scouting stuff for them, for like, you know, the, the college kids. And I remember we were doing a whole bunch of drills. I was doing really well. Um, you know, to show my skill set, I guess. I shot the ball really well at this, at this tournament, or this, uh, this kid was in Chicago. Um, and then we ended up playing at night. And um, I remember Kevin Durant came and played like two nights, and I, I ended up playing really well in the pickup run. I mean, at this time, it was like me, uh, like me, Harrison Barnes, Chris Middleton. Um, just like, it was, I think it was a couple other pros, too. And then KD, and we're just all running, getting runs up and down. And I'm doing really well. I'm shooting the ball well. I'm dunking. I'm I'm having fun. So, I think after that that camp, I went back to school, and one of my assistant coaches like, "Hey man, a bunch of scouts ended up calling him for you." And I just remember being like, just shocked at hearing that. And then I remember going home for the weekend and looking on like the the mock NBA draft, and my name was like top ten or something. And I was like. I remember just, I was at my friend's house looking this out. I remember running out of his house and I ran all the way to my house and told my mom like, yo, like, I think I have a shot. And then leading into that, that sophomore season, I just, you know, just worked really hard. And at the end of that year, they were still like, you know, hey, I think this is time. I think Romar told me too, it's like, yeah, I think you should take this next step. So it's pretty much how it happened. That's awesome. Now, a lot of players, when they start appearing on mock drafts, they would have mm-hmm. taken the other approach. It sounds like you buckled down and you worked equally, if not harder. Where does that work ethic come from? Um, I mean, man, it's just, I think I just, you know, put the pressure on myself. Uh, really just, just understanding that, like, I've seen a lot of, even at, at that age, um, I've seen a lot of guys who kind of fall victim to, you know, rankings, scouting and all that, because they see their name up there and then they kind of take that as like a, like a badge or something or like a, you know, a, to verify them, whatever it is. And they kind of, you know, they kind of not slack off, but like that, the edge that they have is mm-hmm. kind of, is dim a little bit. It kind of goes away. So I just wanted to, to just live up to, to my own expectations and, and not really worry about too much because at the end of the day, I was like, all I did to get to this point was work. So I just thought the only thing I, I could do at that point was, you know, continue to do that. So 
uh, I just, I mean, it just, it was so much going through my mind. I was young, man. That was the first time I ever thought about going to the NBA and just feeling like that. I was just like, dog, it's a different game. So I was just trying to do my best to, to get better and trying to, you know, grow and mature as best I could. Steven Madison uh, is a good friend of yours. I know Steven well. He lives in the Spokane area. And he sent me a, a quick note about one of your most interesting stories. Uh, a lot of NBA guys, when you get an opportunity, you, you buy a car. I, I bought a nice car, too, when I was playing in the NBA. He told me you had a Lamborghini stolen by a 16-year-old. Is this true? Oh, <laughs> and tell me about this. So, like, okay, so – what last year last year for my birthday um my wife she gifted me she surprised me with you know uh, a lamborghini a lamborghini truck uh urus and i had the truck for at least probably max three months and um i remember i i caught a flat one day and i called somebody to you know tow it in and take it to the dealership to get it fixed and so in the course of a couple of days that my car is at the dealership you know, nobody really calls me by anything. I think it's just a little routine fix. And then I get a call from, you know, police department at like nine o'clock in the morning saying like, hey, we've located your car and you just want to let you know where it's at. And I'm just like, I'm confused. I'm like, wait, like my car is at the dealership. I'm like, I know where it's at. And they're like, um, the dealership didn't call you. I was like, call me about what? And they were just like, yeah, well, apparently late last night around 11 or 12, somebody broke into the dealership ransacked the, the desk, took a whole bunch of keys, went to the back of the lot and ended up driving your car, clean out the lot. They were driving down some part of town where a cop spotted them and they went on a high speed chase and totaled my car. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So I was, and I apparently was like a 16 year old kid or whatever, but it was just, I mean, I just, I don't know. Like something told me when I first got the car, I just something told me it was like, you're not going to have this car forever, but let's just enjoy it while you can. And I did not know it would end like that. So that's a story for the ages. I'm I'm sure your teammates loved hearing that one and oh gave you God. a hard time. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Speaking of teammates, uh, you've got a young rookie on your team connected to my program, Gonzaga, um, Jalen Suggs. I, I believe he was the fourth pick. Um I think he's got a chance to be a really good player at that level. I know a lot of Gonzaga fans listen to this podcast. Um, what do you see in Jalen Suggs in the, the prospects for his future, and where has he maybe grown the most halfway into his rookie year? Man, he's um, he's he's really solid, man. I mean, there's not – he can do pretty much everything out there. And um, when you have a guy like that that can – that pretty much has no you know, weaknesses, you know, overall. As time goes on, he's going to start to develop a lot of those areas. And once he starts to get that experience and once he starts to get, you know, year four or five, six, like he can be a really good player that could do a lot of different things, man. He's going to be a, he's going to, he could be a really integral, fundamental part to a team that, you know, kind of makes everything move because he's so smart he, he understands the game he knows how to pass he knows how to shoot he knows how to set up offense he knows how to push the pace he's a dog on defense and he's he's also like he's a solid kid like he's a solid dude like I mean, just the other day we're practicing and he hit me with like a, a shoulder and it kind of sent me like not flying but it kind of sent me back to where i'm like yeah that's like he has power to to go in there and finish with big so uh he, he's gonna be really fun to watch i can't wait to see how 
you know, he grows. I mean, halfway through this first year, I think he's just understanding what it is to be a pro. Um, he's still super young, but uh, he, he's, you can see he, he's getting more accustomed to everything that's going on around him. So year 10, obviously, um, I, I hate to say this, but you got to yeah. be starting to think about what's what's next. I mean, at your yeah. age, I was already done playing. I, I was looking at coaching. I was looking at broadcasting. Um, it sounds like knowing you a little bit um, that you've got a lot of different interests. You, you got the opportunity to go a lot of different ways. Uh, hopefully this is six, seven years from now after you've maybe hmm. won an NBA championship with whoever. But uh, what, what interests Terrence Ross off the floor? Honestly, uh, I'm a big esports type of guy. Um, I mean, probably you know a little bit. Me and Patsy play a lot of video games, but um, right now, just even with our own podcast, we kind of created like an umbrella company that kind of allow that allows us to do so many so many different things. Like right now, we're throwing a a, a Madden tournament that we're doing, that we're holding out in uh, Orlando in a, in a week, and that right there is supposed to be something that we can just kind of avenue into and get into these game planning events and get into these big E3 events. And um, I think that's really something I'm passionate about. Like one thing that I, I've done a lot of, you know, especially over my 10 years or not even just 10 years, but just, you know, growing up playing video games. And um, right now video games is, is pretty much in a different space where it's not looked at as just like some, kind of past the time type of activity. It's more so like turning into this big multi-billion dollar industry that is taking on a life of its own. So I'm trying to etch my my uh, path out in that um, as well as, you know, doing our podcast thing. Me and Steven have our own podcast. And um, I think you know, we're around 60 episodes and what we're doing with that is, is amazing. Uh, starting other podcasts through that. So I think it's just, I think I want to start getting into that media um, world and kind of making my way in that, but also it's kind of like solidifying like my own lane of all the things that that more so interest me, and then kind of building that and just taking that brand and building it. Awesome. Well, Terrence, I appreciate the time. I know the NBA schedule; you don't always know uh, where you're going to be or how much energy yeah. and time you have on a particular day. I know you're on a road mm -hmm. trip right now. So yeah. thanks for spending some time uh, and sharing a little bit about your experiences, both at the NBA, but the college level, and also uh, an area that we both love, the Portland area. So thanks again for joining. Appreciate you. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.